So today we're going to continue in our series, Family Matters, talking about the importance of godly homes, the importance of, of making sure that in our homes, that we're doing exactly what that song just talked about, that Christ would be magnified in us. Now, today I want to share with you a passage from Deuteronomy chapter 6 that goes along with what we're going to be talking about today when we talk about discipleship, of how to make sure that we are pouring into others what God is pouring into us. So I, I want to put on the screen Deuteronomy chapter 6, and it begins with verse 4. I want to read this passage to you. It says this, Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. That is, of course, what Jesus himself quoted in Matthew chapter 22. Verse 6 goes on to say, These words that I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. Verse 7, repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Verse 8, bind them as a sign on your hand. Let them be a symbol on your forehead. And then finally, verse 9, write them on the doorpost of your house and on your city gates. Now, obviously, what this passage talks about is the importance of recognizing, like, like we have to make sure that in everything that we are doing, we are pointing people to Christ. Again, go back to the song that we just uh, together uh, were worshiping with. Let Christ be magnified in us. And so today, that's what we're going to talk about. And I've asked some of our team to come up and to have this opportunity of conversing of what that looks like. And so, guys, come on up if you would. This is our student ministries team here at Thomas Road. I'm going to go over there and get my Bible because I'm going to need it. And uh, these are student ministries team. They do an amazing job. We're blessed here at Thomas Road with the most incredible children's ministry and student ministry, young adult ministry teams. Uh, I believe of any church in the world. Of course, I'm biased, but you know, there's that. This is Derek Idle, who is our student ministries pastor. Derek uh, went to Liberty years ago for, uh, got his degree in student ministry, went out and served for a lot of years in the great 12 stone church down in Atlanta. And a couple of years ago, came back to Liberty and now is actually leading our student ministries area over there. And of course, we're not stupid around here. We quickly wrangled him over at Thomas Road to be a part of our team and to come alongside our student ministries, doing a great job. So this is Derek Idle. In the middle is Cody Mumon. Now, most of you, or maybe some of you, have not yet met Cody, but I'm excited to have him back. Now, I say back because he grew up here. He grew up here at Thomas Road. He went to LCA and graduated, went to Liberty, again, student ministries, and then went out from Liberty and, and uh, served in, in a lot of churches uh, in student ministries, did some incredible ministry work, and then just came back with us here at Thomas Road this spring to be our high school pastor when Paul Maynard, who, again, still part of our team, transitioned into a, a larger role with our next-gen ministry, doing an incredible job there. And so Cody came in as our high school pastor and Cody Moomaw, great to have you back here. And then, of course, the old guy, the guy that all of us know, because he's been here like for 112 years, uh, Jeremy Rader, uh, who is our middle school pastor, does an amazing job and always has, and so blessed to be able to, to serve with these guys. Uh, Jeremy, we'll start with you. So, like, you know, obviously, student ministries, God's doing some incredible things. Uh, no doubt about that. In fact, I think you even brought a video you wanted to kind of share with us today. Yeah, like you said, we're, we're really encouraged by what God's doing in our student ministry and just the opportunity that we have every week to reach and disciple students and um, to see students come to Christ, to see students get baptized, to see students get plugged in to life groups and be discipled by our amazing team of leaders. Uh, but what gets us really excited is when our students step up and they don't want to just be discipled, but they want to be disciple makers. Uh, they don't want to just be poured into, they want to pour their lives out into others 
others. And every single week um, here on our campus, we have well over 100 students, middle school and high school, serving in different areas around our church. And um, we just wanted to put together a little video that just kind of gives you a snapshot of just the incredible ministry that God's doing through our students here at Thomas Road. And what's really cool about that is that when they get involved, when they become uh, disciple makers, when they own their faith enough to pour it out into someone coming alongside them, uh, that can be incredibly formidable for them staying connected to the church over the long term. And so we would love to just share this video with you guys. Check it out. My name's Kay Cordes, and I'm a sixth grader, and I work at Kids Central. My role in Kids Central is help out with first grade blue and help them remember the lesson and go through questions. I'm Matthew Torrance. I'm 18 years old. I've been working in iKids for the past four and a half years. As an iKids leader, I am there to help them, keep them safe, and show love to them. I wanted to serve iKids because I had the heart for it, and I wanted to help the church out. I'm McKaylee. And I'm Zoe, and we're in 10th grade, and we serve at Route 45. As a leader, um, during hangout time, we talk to the kids, and we ask about how their week has been. And then during group time, we go over the lesson that they talked about, and we go more into depth, and then we ask questions. I wanted to serve at Route 45 because I wanted to help kids better their relationship with God and watch them grow more in their faith. I I'm really into youth ministry, so I wanted to get a jump start on that, and I wanted to help kids better their relationship with Jesus. My name's Journey. I'm in seventh grade, and I serve in replay. As a leader, I work with kids who go to the 9.30 and the 11 o'clock service, and we just hang out and have fun and do the recap of the lesson that they just learned. I think other people should serve because it's a great opportunity to learn about kids that maybe are in a different situation and you can try to help out with them, which I think is kind of cool and you can make relationships with them. I think other people should serve because it's an incredible opportunity and you get to watch kids grow in their faith and they also help you grow in your faith as well. I think it's important that other people get involved in serving because it's important to watch not only how their faith can affect you, but how their faith has helped them grow more. What great information, what great picture there. You know, you used that phrase, uh, Jeremy, a minute ago, that they become disciple makers. You know, that students recognize that, like, this is not a consumer faith that we have. Like, it's something we, we take in, certainly. Like, we're encouraged by others, but then we encourage others as well. And so I was watching the video, seeing all the students who are involved and over 100 that are serving in different places. A couple of weeks ago, I walked uh, out, uh, out in Main Street, like when the service had already started. And right back at that door over there, there was a high school student who was standing at the door. And he was just standing there with a smile on his face, just welcoming people, welcoming them to church and shaking their hands when they were coming in. Thinking, how cool is that? A high school kid's out there serving, like welcoming people to come to church. I look down here on the front row, I see Emma Eagle down here who does an incredible job in ministry, like with, with work and sings alongside of her mom. And by the way, I think it's your birthday today, right? Happy birthday to you, 15 years old. And uh, serving alongside of her mom in worship and that kind of, like using their gifts and their talents, it makes a difference, right? And so obviously that doesn't happen by accident, right? That's something we have to have a plan for. So how important is it to have a plan to be a disciple maker in relationship to our families? 
Well, you know, Pastor, it's, it's interesting. You talk about a plan, and, and I was thinking the other day, I was walking up at, at Liberty, seeing the new cafeteria going up. A lot of materials hanging out up there. And I, I, you get to thinking, what would it be like if, if the people who were building that just went in and just picked things up and randomly started trying to assemble those things together and put some facade of a, a building together? Uh, you wouldn't have a lot of confidence in that. Uh, you wouldn't know what was going to hold and, and what wasn't. And there would be some things in there that would be unnecessary and some things that would be super necessary. I look at the beams in, the, in this place that are holding up our, our balcony. And, and, you know, in, in the building of a, a young person into a follower of Christ, as parents, we get the opportunity to build a foundation upon which their faith will be built upon. But it doesn't happen by accident. We can't just randomly take them to a church and hope something catches on and, and put a few Christian things in their life and, and hope it stands. Because ultimately, at some point, their, their, their life and their, their faith has to be built upon things that will last, things that will be secure. And just as much as, as we come in and we sit down in, in a place like this, confident that those structures are load-bearing and can carry the weight that is placed upon them, there has to be a plan for that. There has to be something that was intentionally put there that will be the right thing. And sometimes we put things in our kids' lives that, that seem good for the moment, but can't handle the weight of life. And, and we didn't really have a plan for it. We didn't prepare them for the things that are to come. And so it takes being intentional in the life of our student to, to put the things of Christ, the, the foundation of scripture, what you read in Deuteronomy chapter six of where everything in our life is intentionally pointing them towards a relationship with God through Jesus Christ so that when the, the questions come that will ultimately tear out the walls and the, and the structure upon which we have built them, that the things that were meant to last will last and they will ultimately uh, be able to withstand those, those onslaughts and, you know, so you begin saying, I want my, my student, my child to be an adult that is a follower of Christ. Uh, that doesn't happen by accident. That happens with intentionality. Well, that sounds great. I mean, like, obviously plans are important, right. right? I mean, yeah, no question about it. Like we, you know, put these beams up to hold the balcony up and uh, we actually, we, we let the student ministries team decide how to hold this, and, and it's, no, I'm just kidding. No, so uh, for those of you on the balcony, we're kidding. It was actually planned out. Uh, sounds great that you have a plan, right? Like that, that's awesome, it's important, but let's be honest. Yeah. Like most people don't have a plan. And like, where do you find a plan? How do you, how do you figure that out, Derek? Well, I think the first thing that we need to acknowledge is that parenting's hard. Amen. <laughs> parenting's hard, right? And, uh, and it's hard because, um, you know, it takes consistency. And anytime you're doing anything with consistency, it's, it, you know, uh, uh, it's, it's exhausting. Whether that's discipline, whether that's, uh, uh, you know, a discipleship. Well, I mean, this, this stuff takes consistency and having a plan uh, and a consistent plan is really important. I was thinking about, you know, this, just the idea of uh, the education and the training that's required for you to do the job that you do, wherever career that you're in or whatever path you've taken in that. Think about all the training and the certifications and the additional training that you have to have once you're on the job in order to kind of stay up with the times and with what's going on. And, uh, and, and, and then I want you to think about how much training and how much investment you've come, you have uh, put into educating and discipling, uh, educating yourself on how to disciple your, your children. Because I think that when we think about uh, this idea of putting together a plan, there needs to be consistency, but 
quality and timing are a major part of this particular plan. It's not just having a plan, but it's having a good plan and a plan that actually works and is actually gonna move the needle spiritually in the lives of your children. And so learning and studying, I, I talk to parents all the time and I said, yeah, well, I'll ask them sometimes, hey, when was the last time you read a book on how to just disciple children or disciple your kids? And I realized being someone who, you know, this is what I do for a living. This is what I've got. I've got 10 years of education just in this field. I teach over at Liberty, you know, this, uh, you know, childhood development and all that type of stuff as it relates to discipleship. But I go to Jane, uh, you know, one of our children's ministry staff here at, at, uh, at Thomas Road. And I say to Jane uh, just uh, a couple months ago, hey, um, I'm looking for a resource for my daughter who's eight years old on how to uh, help her understand the gospel more clearly and, and, and things like that for her own personal faith. Now, I know a lot of resources and I do a lot of that studying myself, but I recognize that there's limitations that I have and I need to go get as much training and as much education as possible so that I can be more effective at building a plan. Sometimes when we think about discipling our children, what we know and what we think about is, well, how was I raised in my home or um, what was church like when I grew up? But let me tell you, times have changed since when you were a kid and times have changed on the things that your children are facing. So it's important that you understand you grow and you learn uh, because we would all, I think, say our children and our children's uh, following Jesus are more important than our job and the success that we have in our job or career. Uh, but we gotta put together something. And then timing is the second part. Um, it's never too late. Uh, to start discipling your children if you've dropped the ball on that particular deal. Um, but as far as timing goes though, it's really, it's much more difficult to start when you're 15 than it is to start when they're uh, in preschool and to begin to build a discipleship plan in your house. It's difficult to come to a 15 year old and say, hey, uh, Thursday nights, we're gonna sit down and read the Bible together as a family. But if you have been doing that ever since they were two, three years old, then it's just a part of the rhythm of their family and their life. And it's a part of the discipleship of, uh, you know, that they're used to, the environment that they're used to. It's just, it's just what we do as a family. Yeah. So uh, obviously when you talk about two, two elements are quality and timing, right? So quality is like figuring out, like you can't just like pull a plan out of the air, right? It's not something you're just like, oh, you know, I think I'm going to do this. Like it has to be based on something. So like your recommendation, like where do you base it on? What, what, what do you find that information and where do you find it? Well, that's good. I think you find the information in several places. One, you find the information in people who, uh, uh, who, who kind of know what, uh, who went ahead of you. Um, you know, other parents around you, you see their children and you see, you know, how they've been raised and you see them following Jesus and you say, Hey, you know what? There's, there's things that those kids have that I want my kids to have. So I know for me, I have other mentors in my life that are older than me that I go to pick their brains on. And then the second part of that is, is that I go to resources. I go to books, I go to articles, I, I read and I study and I learn things. And I ask people who are at different, that are ahead of me in seasons of my life. And, and I get educated on that. I talk to other student pastors, children's pastors. And as part of what our job is, is we, we see ourselves as a resource to you. This is something that we do spend a lot of time, energy, effort, and study in, in order to help you be effective at that. So see us uh, our, and, a and our student ministry and the children's ministries of our churches as a resource to you that we, we are not, a, we want you asking us questions. We want you, you, you are not a bother to us. We want to partner with you and help you be successful as it relates to discipling your children because we have some insight that could help you with that. But you know, obviously there are a lot of families, a lot of individuals out there that think, man, I take my kid to church. Yeah. Like that's their plan. My plan of growing up my child and the way that they should go so when they're old, they will not depart from it is making sure that I take them to church. 
But this is not something, Jeremy, like you can delegate to the church, right? It's not, you can't just dump it on the church. You can't dump it on the children's ministry, student ministry, or the pastor. Like, go raise my kid. Like, that's an important thing to understand. Absolutely. (laughs) And I think if we even went back to the passage you read a few minutes ago from Deuteronomy 6, Moses' concern in that passage was that the next generation would forget or they would not know um, how the Lord had delivered them from Egypt and how he had rescued them from slavery and that they wouldn't know um, his love for them and, and how the principles and commands and laws that he gave them were all coming out of that love relationship he had already established for them. And so in that passage, he's speaking directly to parents and he's saying, this is your responsibility. We want you to take the responsibility of passing on this faith to your children. And and he gives them a roadmap for doing that. And and he says, in the rhythm of your life, in the rhythm of your home, uh, when you get up, when you lie down, when you sit, as you go along the road, continue to revisit and to teach these things over and over again so that the next generation is prepared to carry it on. And I would add to that, you know, even if as a parent, you're fully bought into the local church and you're championing everything that the local church is doing and your kids are attending every event, they're going on every trip, they're in every ministry, they're in in every program. Even at that, the amount of time we have to disciple kids through those programs is very limited. And our influence is very limited. But as moms and dads, as, as grandmas, as grandpas, as single parents, whatever kind of context we're in, we have literally thousands of hours a year uh, versus the hundreds of hours that maybe a church has to be able to invest in and inspire and disciple our, our kids or the, the kids that God has placed in our home for us to raise. And so, so absolutely, it is our responsibility and we've got to see that and we've got to see the church as a partner and not as something we just delegate that task to. You know, you talked about that Deuteronomy chapter six passage, you know, Moses is speaking obviously to the families. Moses was the church back in that time, right? I mean, he and Aaron obviously were the two that God, you know, had kind of put over the, the people of Israel. And it's, he's not saying like, go to, my, go to Aaron, go to my brother to figure this stuff out. Take your kids to Aaron so they'll know what to do. He's saying, parents, you do this. Talk about it in your homes. Make sure you talk about it when you get up in the morning, when you go to bed at night, like when you walk along the way. But we also recognize this, like the church is a great opportunity. And, and we, while we can't delegate it to the church, we can't delegate it to others. Like Cody, it is an important thing to recognize. Like we come along and we do this together. Absolutely. The entirety of the New Testament, the letters that Paul writes are written to the community of the church. A church from the very beginning was about community and, and the importance of encouraging one another, challenging each other, uh, striving together for the faith. And uh, the first thing I would say that that one of the importances that I see uh, with the local church and and being involved in the local church is is within the context of our student ministry right here at Thomas Road, we have a large number of students that come to be a part, they find a home, they find a place, they find a community within our student ministry, uh, but they do come from homes where Christ isn't magnified within that home. And they're wanting to learn, they're wanting to grow, they come out uh, in droves to be a part of what's going on here. And we as a church, Thomas Road, I'm talking to you, moms and dads, aunts and uncles, those of you that are older in the faith, you have an opportunity to invest your life in students that need to see what it looks like to be a faithful, committed follower of Christ. And we are privileged and honored to really put together a, a student ministry in which uh, 
we have leaders, men and women that come in and, and shepherd and be a part of the lives of students so that they can see it modeled in front of them. I saw one of our moms posted on her social media a, a video of her daughter with one of her other daughters and says, more is caught than taught. We can teach all we want from the stage, but until you sit right next to an, uh, an older believer and, and you, you watch them model, I mean, it's Titus 2, right? There is, is the men teaching the, the younger men, the, the women teaching the younger women. And, and we have to come to a realization that even if I am trying to model this at home, I'm not an expert in everything. There's not, there, there are things that I'm going to have to learn as, as my son, as my daughter comes to me. I, I don't know everything. And so being in the community of believers, there are people around us that are skilled, that are gifted, that are modeling things that I'm struggling with. And I think of my son is, just got a car and uh, a classic car. And in the, the search for that and in the process of buying that, there's a lot that I don't know. And I could have gone and bought a lemon and I could have really messed it up. But knowing that that was my limitation, I was able to go to my brother-in-laws who are really skilled in those areas. And one of my brother-in-laws went with me to, to buy the car. And as I'm talking to the guy about how cool the car looks, that man's on the ground looking up underneath, looking at things that he knew automatically. And he's telling me what he saw. And he looked and said, this is a great car. And as there's things that I'm having to repair on the car and, and I want to do with my son, I want to work on the car with him, but I don't know everything about it. Another one of my brother-in-law said, hey, this is the first thing you need to do. This is the second thing you need to do. And as you do it, I'll help you. So I'm learning as my son's learning, but my son's watching me learn from somebody who's more skilled with me. What a great lesson to say, I don't know everything, but together we can go and learn together. I, the, the way that the church can come alongside of, of students that don't have families that know Christ is powerful, but also alongside of those of us who, like you said, parenting's hard. And there's days that we're just going to whiff and to have other believers in our life to help us with that, it's, it's a powerful thing. Now, I want to tag that real quick and just say <clears throat> that it's the responsibility of the entire church to invest and pour into the next generation. And that's a biblical thing that we see here in Deuteronomy 6. But we also see it in uh, all throughout Scripture. We see it in the Hebrew model of education that was brought out out of uh, this idea where the home became a central part of the discipleship uh, process, uh, discipleship, kind of growing uh, young people up in the Lord, but it was also the synagogue became a major part of that as well. And the Torah was the educational curriculum that was kind of woven through the home and through the synagogue and what was being taught to the children and how they were growing up in their faith. And then, as you mentioned in Titus 2, we see the church being challenged, the older men pouring into the younger and the older women pouring into the younger. And there's a list of things that are given that, that, we, that we are called to do. And it's not just for the, you know, the, the young people who have energy and really can get out there with, uh, with, uh, with the young people. I mean, we're not young. We're, we're, we're all over 40 and we're not the prototypical youth pastor. But the reason we do this is because we love, we know the importance of the next generation and pouring into uh, children, into youth. And we know the importance of the stage that they're in in their life where their morals and their values and their worldview and their, uh, their uh, ideas of marriage and their ideas of family themselves are all being formed right now in this critical time of their life. And we get to influence that. I, I tell my students at, at Liberty, I tell them that I believe the eight most important years of anybody's life is from 14 to 22 because during that time, all of those things that I just mentioned are formed in a student. And not only that, but the career path they're gonna take, the type of person they are gonna marry, all types of data, it backs that type of idea up. And I wanna be a part of, and us as the church should see ourselves as a part of wanting to invest into those 
critical and important years of their life. And, um, and so it's important, uh, that, that, that we see that, that we understand that and that we, um, you know, that we, that we, uh, elevate that. And I love that we're at a church that does prioritize, uh, investing into the next generation the way that we do. So there's two words there that, that I think all of us need to grab a hold of what we just talked about delegation and assumption. There can be no delegation of the duties, the responsibility of discipling our kids, but there also can't be the assumption that someone else is going to do it. So in other words, like if I look at you with your kids and think, ah, Jeremy's got it. I've got a responsibility to your kids and you've got a responsibility to my kids. So we can't assume, well, somebody else will do it. Like we all have to pitch in. We all have to pour in. Why? Because of what Derek just said, that age group between 14 and 22 being the most pivotal, critical years of a person's life. From 14 to 22, those eight years of figuring out like what you're going to do, what you're going to study, who you're going to marry, where you're going to go to school, uh, you know, what, you, what your future is going to look like. All of that is determined really in that period of time. And let's be honest, Satan's figured that out. And Satan is going and working overtime to make sure that what he is pouring into the 14 to 22 year olds is something that is radically different than what God's word tells us, right? So let's get into some practical stuff. You heard Derek a minute ago talk about the Hebrew form and model of education and the Torah. Uh, And everybody in the room is like, I don't know what he's talking about. So let's talk about practical stuff. Like, like actually, okay, so we know a plan's important, right? We know like we gotta start with a plan, we gotta figure out how to find a plan. Great. So, but how do we start? Like, like what's the practical step today that I need to, to, to jump into to do to make sure that I'm doing what I'm supposed to do? Yeah, that's good. I, um, I think there are several really important practical things. Number one is that I believe it's really important uh, for, for, for us to model as parents what it looks like to actually have a walk with Jesus and what it looks like to actually love his word and, and want to spend time with him. I think like, as we mentioned earlier, just kind of bringing them to church and that's not enough. But, um, you know, a question I would ask would be maybe something like, when was the last time your kid woke up in the morning to go get a drink of water or go to the bathroom or come out to watch cartoons or whatever, however, however old your kids are. And, uh, they interrupted you on your face, just praying and seeking the Lord or walked in on you just reading the Bible and studying God's word. And one of the things that, um, you know, uh, uh, just, just moves my heart is that uh, every night when I put my son who's, who's five down to bed, he goes over and he pulls his little children's Bible out and he opens it up and he starts flipping to the page. He says, Daddy, I'm reading my Bible. Well, he doesn't know how to read. But what he, does, he does that. Uh, he does that because he sees his daddy reading his Bible. And he's modeling that, you know, he, he, it, it's, it's modeled, it's, it's cult, it's what you were talking about earlier. And so if you want to build faith formation in your kids, it starts with you also having a personal love for Jesus. And there is data on this stuff where uh, the data does show that 79% of kids who have parents that walk with Jesus actually uh, are retained in church as adults and walk with Jesus as adults. So parents have a critical role in that. And those that, that are connected to a youth ministry uh, uh, and children's ministry environments, those are connected to next-gen min- uh, ministries. Um, I've personally done a whole massive research there on this of churches 500 to 2,000. There's a study out of Southern Seminary of uh, Southern Baptist megachurches. And the retention rate uh, is, is over 95% 
for those that are a part of a, a student ministry environment, when they become adults, that discipleship matters. And the more committed they are, the higher level of retention as it is as an adult. So, so the first is, um, I would say, model what it looks like to love Jesus. The second, get them connected in the ministries and programs of the church so they can reinforce the morals and values and biblical worldview and all that type of stuff um, that you're trying to give at home. Uh, you know, I think um, uh, another one is, uh, a third one would be, um, man, pray, go to the Lord and battle in prayer for your children. Like you mentioned, the enemy is out to still kill and destroy. He's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Battle in prayer for your, for your kids. Um, I pray for my kids that not only would, uh, would uh, they get, come to know Jesus, not only would God use them greatly, but I also pray that God would bring people in their life that love Jesus that would point them to Jesus. And I pray that for other friends of mine that I have that don't know Jesus, but go to battle and, and prayer for them. In fact, I even think about just your dad's story and a part of your dad's story being you know, a mother who spent time praying for her son and that had major impact on you know, your dad's faith. And this church is, is here in, in, in part from a, a praying mother, right? And, uh, and so battling in prayer for your kids. And so um, I think those are three major uh, uh, pieces from a practical standpoint. And I think the fourth one would be, um, you need to bring your kids to church and you need to be committed to church. The average adult attender in the United States attends church 1.8 times a month. That's less than half a year. That's less than 26 of the 52 weeks a year. So I just want you to think about that for a minute. So when we as adults make excuses, I'm too tired, it's been a long week, it's whatever your excuses is for why you miss church on a consistent basis, your children are over there watching you make excuses why church isn't important. And I wanna challenge you and encourage you to say, hey man, church is important. And I'm gonna model for my kids what it looks like to go to church, to be in church, to be connected in church and, and, uh, and be consistent in church. Consistency is key, as I mentioned earlier, with everything as it relates to discipling kids. And it's hard, consistency is hard, it's exhausting. There's grind to it, but it's what John Maxwell said last week, right? You can't have uphill hopes and downhill habits. And the same goes with parenting and the same goes with discipling kids in their faith. So modeling that obviously is an important thing. You know, I, I, my dad always said this. My dad, you know, said what we do as, as adults or as parents, what we do in moderation, our children will do to excess. And that works both ways. What we do bad in moderation, our kids will do bad in excess, what we just talked about. But also what we do good in moderation, our kids will do in excess. In other words, they'll take it to the next level. So in other words, Cody, it's like, hey, we got to make this a priority, right? Yeah. Um, I've always heard it that when we uh, show the church to be optional that our kids will see it as irrelevant. Um, and and then go back to the whole foundation thing. Foundationally, uh, we are building truths about marriage, about life, about parenthood into our kids that are going to last for generations to come. But the world is also coming to chip and see what's, what's authentic and what is real. And when they step outside of, of the home, what we've invested in them uh, will will show. And if, if we've not had a plan, if we've not built the foundation, uh, the moment that that wind comes, the moment that those pressures come, the things that, that we've assumed that, that they've known uh, will, will, will prove to not be there. But if we take that time, if we work uphill, if we work at investing and sacrifice some of the things that we would like to do for the things that we need to do, what we're doing is we're not only investing in our kids, but we're investing in our grandkids and great grandkids to come and their friends and the generations that, that, that will follow. So today what we've talked about a lot is like we, we've got to 
do a couple of practical things. Like we have to have quality, right? So, you know, lots of us will go to YouTube to figure out how to do something, right? So we actually will spend the time to learn how to work on a car, but maybe we're not going to spend the time to figure out how to raise a kid. So we like figure out like, where are the resources that I need? Number one, we got to mo- number two, not model it, right? Like, like make sure that they can see in us what it means to be a follower of Christ. Like make sure that we are doing this together, that we don't say, Hey kid, go to church that we actually take our children to church, we take our families to church, that we have that responsibility and that, that understanding that we do this together if we hope to have those children in church long after we're gone. So here's the question. So like my kids are like in their 20s now. I've got a grandkid. I've got another grandkid on the way. Your kids are all younger, right? So we're in different levels. I'm the old dude up here. I get it. But, but like we're in different seasons of life. So Jeremy, like when does this burden, when does this duty, when does this responsibility of discipleship in our lives. When does that burden end? I don't think it ever ends, Pastor. I, I think we always have that responsibility. And, and even as a you know, 40 blank year old person up here today, uh, my parents are still discipling me. Uh, my parents are still inspiring me to be better. And uh, Pastor, I know for you, uh, your parents have gone to heaven, but they're still inspiring you. They're still discipling you. And things that you learn from them, you're still passing on uh, to your kids and, and to our church. And just what an incredible gift that is. And, and so this journey, this pursuit it, is never really done that we always had that opportunity to be able to let Christ be magnified through our lives as we inspire and influence our, our kids coming behind us. And so it, it's an ongoing journey. I, I don't think it ever uh, quite ends. You know, it's 1031. 15 years ago, at this exact moment, I got a phone call to go over to my dad's office. And I walked into my dad's office, and when I walked in, Mike Holt here was, was in my dad's office with my dad, and my dad was lying on the floor. Mike was performing CPR. And in the coming minutes and moments and hours, you know, I recognized, like, that was a pivotal moment for me because my dad slipped into heaven at that moment 15 years ago, right now. I think about what Jeremy just said of the, the influence that even now, 15 years after my dad has been in heaven, seven years after my mom has been in heaven, that even now that they're still discipling me, that even now I, I think of things that they taught me, that I learned from them, their love for one another, their love for God that was just incredible, the, the picture that they modeled for me of what it meant to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm sitting here like 15 years in heaven and it still influences this 55-year-old husband, dad, and granddad. Think about how awesome that is, of how cool that is that we have the opportunity and the ability to do the things that today, that long after we are gone, that our children and our grandchildren will be able to rise up and remember. You know, my, my dad said this. You know, my mom she did this. They taught me about this. What we do really does matter. And long after every one of us in this room are gone, long after we're in heaven, like my mission, my goal in life, man, absolutely. I want to do a great job here at the church. I want to lead this church well, but I got to be honest with you. My primary responsibility is this, man, I want to lead my family well. I want to make sure that years from now when I'm in heaven, that my kids, my grandkids will be able to say, you know, I, I remember when dad taught me this. I remember when dad said that. 
It matters what we do. And so I know like there are a lot of people in the room today that maybe you're sitting there thinking like, man, I've, I've blown it. Like I haven't done it well. Uh, Cody said earlier in, in our service, uh, he said this, you know, there's, there's two really, two great times, two best times to do this thing right. One is when they're born and the second one is today. So I get it. Like you may not have done things right. I understand that. You may have blown it. Got it. You're human. Understand. Own it. Deal with it. Forget it. Move on. And start today modeling what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ for your children and for your grandchildren and for your friends and for those you go to church with and those you work with. Like model it today. Make sure they see in you what it means to be a person who can say, as we sang in that song earlier, let Christ be magnified in us. It makes a difference. Hey, Cody, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. So obviously lots of families here, you know, lots of individuals here, families, you know, grandparents and parents and kids and there's single moms and single dads and, and there's guardians here. There's grandkids or grandparents raising their grandkids. And, uh, there's single people in the room to hope like one day I want kids, you know, all of that different perspective across the board. Would you just take a moment and just pray uh, like just a prayer over the families of our church? Cause by the way, just so you know, there's not a person in this room that is not part of the family. And so pray over the families of our church that God would help us to do the right thing to make sure that we are training up our children, training up our adults, training up our friends in the way that they should go so that when they are old, Proverbs 22, they will not depart from it. Would you pray for us? Father, we are grateful to be in your presence this morning. Lord, from the moment that we sang the song, Christ be magnified, Lord, I pray that you would help each and every one in here let that be the song of their life. God, I pray that as we have been called as a, as a church, as a family, to uh, reflect your love, your goodness, your grace, the gospel. God, I pray specifically today as we think on what it means to disciple the next generation of believers. God, it is a, a unique calling. It's a, it's a, it's a heavy burden. It's a, it's a big responsibility. But God, I thank you so much that you've not called us to do it without your presence, without your leading, and you've not called us to do it alone. Lord, I thank you so much for this church, for the church. Lord, that you've called us to be family. Lord, I thank you for, for each and every one who has invested their lives in the next generation, parents and grandparents, aunts and uncles. Lord, those that, that sit and pray for, for their friends and family who have children. God, it is, it is a huge task that, that we are called to, to continue to, to train and disciple young people into godliness and into what it means to be a follower of Jesus. God, where we failed, Lord, I pray that you would help us to own that and to ask forgiveness, Lord, and, and to walk with a sense of purpose and a sense of, of restoration, Lord, that today we would see men and women, moms and dads, sons and daughters, begin to walk towards you together, Lord, as, as they seek what it is to be a family that is committed to Christ, to love God, to love people, to be impacting this community with the gospel. Lord, I thank you so much that you have called us to encourage one another, to challenge one another, to lift each other up. Thank you for bringing us together as family. Lord, I thank you for this church that has a commitment to the gospel of Jesus and a commitment to the next generation. Lord, help us to be faithful with what it is you've called us to. Lord, I ask this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You know, today, by way of invitation, as we do every week, our team is going to be gathered here at the front in just a moment. 
I'm going to ask Derek and Cody and Jeremy to be here at the front. And maybe you're here today and you're like, you're wondering like, where do I start this thing? Like, what do I do now? Well, I would tell you right up front, like there might be somebody sitting in this room or somebody watching right now who's never come to that moment in your journey where you have recognized your need of a savior. The fact that God loves you so much, despite what you've done, despite the mess ups and hang ups that you have, that Jesus came, that he died on the cross for your sins, was buried and rose again three days later. And according to God's word, that if we believe that Jesus is God's son, that he did die and that he did rise again, like turning away from, you know, the, 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 the sin of our past and, and embracing, trusting in Christ as our Lord and savior, like, like in that moment, salvation is out. Maybe today you need to, that's the great place to start, by the way. Maybe today you need to make that decision. Our team is here. We'd love to talk with you about that. Maybe you're here today and you're like, hey, I've blown it. I've not been a good parent. I've not been a good, you know, husband or wife. I've not been, you know, doing what I'm supposed to do. And and I I get it. I want to encourage you. Maybe you want to come and just kneel here and just pray. Like, God, you know, today I want to turn everything around. I want to make that commitment in this moment. Our team is here. Maybe you want to come down and talk to these guys. It's like, listen, great. How do I set up a Hebrew form of education with the Torah in my home? No, I'm just kidding. How do I, how do I actually start doing this the right way today? Man, these guys will be here. They'd love to talk with you about that as well. Here's the, the thing that I want you to walk out of here with today. All of us play a role. It really does matter. The world is going to try to take our families away as we... Read in John 10, 10, Satan comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. And there's nothing that he would rather steal, kill and to destroy than the family of God. And so today, take it seriously, do it right. And together, let's see what God can do. Thank you for being here today. Our team is here. We'd love to talk with you. God bless you. Thank you for worshiping with us today. We're so glad you joined us. If you prayed to receive Christ today, we'd love to hear from you. We want to help you as you begin this journey of faith in Jesus Christ. So send us an email to the address on the screen, pastor at trbc.org. Likewise, if you've never accepted God's free gift of salvation, the forgiveness of sins made possible by the death and resurrection of Jesus, but you'd like to know more, well, we're here to help you. So just reach out to us. We'd love to tell you more. Our mission at Thomas Road is to change our world by developing Christ followers who love God and love people. And if you'd like to help us fulfill that mission by giving to our ministry, then go to the link on your screen and make your contribution today. Help us help others with the life-changing truth of God's love.